0: Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland, based in the Rockhampton office. And today I've got Bob Bartley with me. Bob, Principal Advisor, Teaching and Learning Inclusion. Correct. Welcome to the
1: podcast, Bob. Thanks, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, so Bob, in the typical um, or usual CQ way, let's uh, do a one-word barometer check-in and a conversation starter, knowing that you uh, love... Digital technology, I have to ask, what's your
1: favourite tech tool for learning? Um, at this stage, I'd say in terms of hardware or a physical resource, I can't go past an iPad, purely for its uh, innovation and ability to be creative and convenient. Uh, in terms of software, I would go OneNote, ClassNote, which is a great tool for using with classrooms. It also has great differentiation and inclusion potential. Um, so that'd be my, I'd be giving you two
0: that's awesome, and you know what? We didn't um, check in about this, and you stole mine. I was going to say OneNote, there you go. and I actually love it because uh, I can see its potential in use, and have seen it used with students. But it's also a great learning tool for adults. I would be lost without my OneNote. Oh, me too. But look, I'm going to toss in as well an Excel spreadsheet. I used to have so much fun with students um, in maths. The mm-hmm. good old Excel spreadsheet and the potential with that tool is just mind-blowing. And my, one of my
1: previous roles as a digital technology specialist, you could say, Excel was a really powerful tool and students got data better. The visualisation of data through that tool uh, was quite astounding. Yeah, I agree with you. It. It's a nice tool to be using with students. You can use it in different, a lot of different curriculum areas too. It's not just maths. Yeah. It's great for collecting data in maths and science as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. so exciting. Well, Bob... Our conversation today is following on from the conversation Kelly Kennedy and I had which was around the Are You Ready to Rumble P12 CAF workshops that have happened across the region and this I saw as part two where we could actually dig into how we differentiate and make adjustments for learners and I thought this would be a great conversation to have with you. Would you like to kick us off with some of your initial thinking around this topic?
1: Uh, So when um, Trudy asked me to be part of the podcast, I started taking some notes and I thought, "Mm, differentiation, uh, the term itself, what does it actually mean and what does it mean to different people? Uh, And I sort of used it as, I refer to it as a broad term and how we make curriculum accessible to all learners and all students so they can grow, learn and succeed my role in the ready to rumble uh, when i presented was to unpack the three levels of planning how we can differentiate at each stage of the three levels of planning and and i see there's a, a really clear compartmentalized approach where you have your whole school planning where we talk about the uh, our school context and how we can differentiate for our whole school so we're not digging deep it's a macro level of, of differentiation so when do when do we teach Particular and assess particular units of work or um, subject areas or learning areas, depending on what what you're using in each um, learning area. So what's right for your school community? Um, So the second level of planning is a really interesting space where I get quite excited. Uh, I'm quite proud to be really interested and curious around curriculum and where it sits within our schools. Uh, So the second level of, of planning we differentiate through how we look at our assessment tasks. The different conventions that we can apply and making sure that there's a balanced range and that our aspects of the achievement standard are sequenced developmentally uh, and to make sure that um, we are giving all students access to opportunities to represent their learning in a way that's fair and age appropriate and you can really see that when you start looking at the different uh, year and band plans across your school and, and, and another way it can be used in terms of differentiation is the allocation of resources So if we were looking at a high school year or band plan across different faculties and we looked at the types of assessments that were taking place at different times, we might be able to identify that in, say, week seven of term two, that uh, English and science and maths are all looking to access the computer lab and is that going to be something that can be sustainable at that time? So we can use it in all different ways, making sure that we do have access.
0: Another reason why that's really important is so that we can see Whether students are being asked to complete assessment with the one Mm. medium or
1: the balanced approach to assessment, and so uh, a good example, I was working in a school where they were looking at um, they were looking at maths, and then then maths it was it was all exams or short quizzes, and there was or actually this school that was one school, a different school eventually was the opposite, everything was inquiry. And they were talking they were concerned about the fact that there was no opportunities for some individual assessment that might be supervised or open uh, and so they changed some of their assessments to make sure that they had equal opportunities for students to have success across their whole range of diverse learners so that was good that schools are looking at that and, and making those decisions based on data and based on based on their levels of planning or the second level of planning
0: yeah and look there's a word here that in your notes that's just jumped out at me, Bob, and that's the word multiple. So it's about those multiple opportunities for students yes. too to demonstrate their learning, isn't it?
1: And then that is key. That is a key thing. If we just assume that we hit it once, that they're going to learn it, uh, that's that's a bit of a misnomer that we will actually get that growth or that learning in that um, aspect of the achievement standard. And vice versa, are we doing it at every single... Opportunity we're assessing spelling in every single task is that do we need to look at say whether that's a, a, a significant thing to be doing at that time whether it's important that we do it across all Not saying not to teach it, but it's about doing need to assess it at every single opportunity
0: mm. Actually, you, there's a nice uh, definitive piece in there too around teaching and assessing, isn't there? Mm-hmm. So we might be teaching it, but not necessarily assessing it.
1: And that would be, I would use that as when we talk about that word write in the Australian curriculum okay. and, and read, when we're looking at an assessment task and we're looking at the aspect of the achievement standard. And when we're, this is really moving into the third level of unit planning and we're looking at that summative assessment. Uh, when we use the word write in the task, says write this, or in the achievement standard, said the student needs to write this type of sentence, to be able to write. The word write is very, um, it's a lot more open than I once thought, where we're talking about construction of text. I and mean, if you look at the Australian curriculum, there's in the glossary, it actually comes with an actual statement that when people read this or hear this, it can open up an opportunity for success. That's, I get really excited about this part too. I'm going to read it to you because I think it's important to hear it. Um, so in an Australian curriculum, it says that write means plan, compose, edit and publish text in print or digital forms. Writing usually involves activities using pencils, pens, word processes, and or using drawings, models, photos to represent text, and or using a scribe to record responses or produce recorded responses. And I found most people when they see that for the first time, they start to realise that, oh, so I can actually allow my students to, or give students the opportunity to share their learning in multiple ways and not just in a traditional pencil and paper which opens up the door for a huge amount of, oh, I, I believe, a huge improvement, and we're setting students up for success in, um, in their learning to make sure that they can actually represent their learning. It's what I remember when I was teaching in class, and the student, you'd be in a parent-teacher interview, and you're t- talking to them about where they're at, and you're saying, oh, they're, they're really articulate, and they can explain their answers, but when it comes to the assessment task, they just won't write anything down, or they won't articulate in the same way. And this is the, the doorway that uh, opens that up and says, right, these literacy demands and expectations are impeding or a barrier to success. So we can actually take those away. But it doesn't mean we stop teaching mm. those skills of writing and reading. And, uh, but it's important to note that, um, yes, the, the, there are other ways of sharing our learning.
0: Yeah, wow. And, you know, as you read through and shared that definition... I know that that's opened up opportunities for students where we, you know, are required to make adjustments so that they can access the curriculum. But then I've just really started to ponder around giving students voice and opportunity as well. You know, the creative student who can actually write pen and paper style, write. But actually, you know, wants to do something different mm-hmm. in terms of how they want to represent mm-hmm. their learning and bring
1: that to the experience. Yes. It's just, and it's exciting, isn't it? It is, because that actually takes the stage or brings me to the thought that it's not just about differentiating down per se, but we also need to be aware of extending learners as well. So, differentiation is about all learners, yeah. not just the students that need support. And that's exactly right, that open ended nature allow students to be creative and use their higher thinking skills and also extend themselves in different ways so yeah Yeah. that's a really important point so i'm glad you reminded me of that
0: well that that's okay it's just as you were talking i i started to think about that whole potential for like i said students who want to be creative who Mm -hmm. are different thinkers who Mm -hmm. don't want to do the norm actually pride themselves on being a bit different and coming at a problem in a different way.
1: I feel like that myself as a learner. I, I like to, my classroom as a teacher, I wanted that to be my classroom too. I wanted it to be open-ended and, and thought-provoking and, and it reminds me, it's a UDL of that universal design for learning lens that we can place on some of our assessment tasks in that unit of planning, um, which moves us on to that area quite nicely, shall I tell Yeah, about that? go for it. Um, and so the moderation project that I've worked with Kelly Kennedy on, a a fair bit of recent times for me is a really powerful vehicle for differentiation to me it's at the heart of the process for a school to have a process for differentiation and their unit plan template having some processes built into that that allow the school to be well, allow teachers to be capable to, um, to put differentiation into the classroom and then review that process too to make sure that they, what they know what they're doing is actually working. So um, I know that Kelly spoke a little bit about moderation last week, so I won't delve too much into that. Um, but it's about what processes your school has to, um, to make sure that you're catering to those students' needs, both extension and support, uh, and, and what pedagogies. Uh, in your framework are being um, used to their best advantage like udl to be able to support teachers to support learners so yeah i think that template is really important and breaking down to that lesson sequence so that we actually know the pivotal lessons that we have that we are going to address and where are those opportunities where we re- we know we can individualize it for our classrooms so as a co- like when we're doing that cohort planning and everyone's planning for that unit having a second stage of planning where we're actually post-planning. That's a Kelly Jefferson term that she uses that I've heard from her where you take that unit away and there's a check-in after that to say, okay, so how have we contextualise this for the actual class or the people sitting in front of in front of us right now? Yeah.
0: And being and I was having a conversation with the principal today too also being responsive in the unit. So as you're teaching it, it's not just okay, we've got the unit plan, that's how it is. Mm. It's, it's that responsiveness piece as well as you get, um, and I'll use the word data, but broadly use the word data, yes. you know, that uh, qualitative feedback, mm-hmm. um, you know, what your students know and understand as you're teaching, do you have to the next day reteach that's... and being responsive to the, the differentiated yeah. needs in the, in the room?
1: And if we use the, um, the whole school approach, of differentiated teaching and learning, we talk about formative assessment in that piece where we're looking at differentiated and explicit teaching and then through our formative assessment or data collection, we can analyse and say, well, this group of students at this point in time have not quite got the achievement, the achievement that I expected. What focused teaching can I apply to these students that will support them to, to bridge that gap? And then the next step is more formative assessment. If they have reached the expectation, then they move back and continue to do the differentiated and explicit in, uh, teaching. And then, but if they haven't, then they move on to the next stage of intensive teaching. And, and that's a really important part of that formative assessment to to guide your practice as to is this working, and do we need to have all the same students in the same support group every single lesson? No, it's based on that formative assessment. And, and being responsive to the, to the students' needs. Yeah, so just because the student's in that um, traditional support group that um, we may have used previously, doesn't mean they stay in that forever. And this also aligns with an ICP process too, which there is a draft um, flowchart decision-making tool that's out at the moment, which is really explicit about what schools need to do to be able to move a student onto an ICP. And it should be the very last decision you make in that process. Mm. And with and the, the the steps I mentioned before around the formative assessment, that is the opportunity to collect evidence to support whether a student needs to be on an ICP. So when we decide to put a student on an ICP, uh, it, this is only a six-month measure, and it needs to be. It's really important that's reviewed. Like any differentiation that we do in our classrooms, there needs to be a mechanism for review to make sure we know what we're doing is working, and if it's not we're going to change that process to make sure that we're giving our students the best opportunities to learn and grow.
0: Great. Now, Bob, in your notes, you've got some great questions here that I think would be helpful in terms of reflecting on each of those levels. So did you just want to cover off on those? So great question to consider at the whole school planning level.
1: So when you're when you're at the whole school planning, there's uh, an opportunity to reflect on the decisions that you're making. And the question I wrote was, um, when you're making those decisions, is the school community context at the heart when you're making these decisions for provisioning the whole uh, curriculum? Yeah. So and that it ranges from all sorts of different contexts.
0: And then as we move down to the year and band plans, questions to consider at that level.
1: Um, so some of the things we talked about earlier around the balance of of, of assessments and things are similar to here. When we analyse those year-level plans for all your eight subjects in, in high school, um, we can the type, we can determine is there a concentration of one type of assessment? Are they all in the same week? And can we allocate resources effectively due to that model? There are a couple of... Oh, this is something I really should mention across the three levels. The, one of the... Of, <laughs> I know that Kelly mentioned this, but I'm going to reiterate this. The improved, the new and improved layout of the Assessment and Moderation Hub has made it really effective Uh, and there's some great tools in there. One in particular that I've stumbled across recently is they have a a, a document around the assessment conventions for different subjects that are appropriate for different subjects and that's really worth a read because you can be looking at what fits. It's, It's a guide as well. It's not actually sentence in concrete that you must. It's like, a, it's like pedagogy, it's what best fits the subject and the content that you're actually teaching.
0: That might be a great one, we'll link in the show notes. Okay, sounds yeah. good. Okay, and then questions for reflection for the unit level?
1: These are the questions I have around the third level of unit planning. Does your school have a unit planning process? Are they engaged in moderation? Is it internal or is it external as well? Um, Does whatever suits your schools? That's another example of where you might be able to suit your school's context. Are are you really isolated? Can you do that moderation online? Can you connect to schools virtually to share your um, moderation processes? Um, Within your process for unit planning, what are the processes for identifying and implementing those strategies for differentiation? So how do you know when? So that's that formative assessment piece. And how do you know the impact that that's having? And do you do that as a whole school approach? And even within a high school, is it across faculties, does it look different? How can we provide opportunities in terms of a transition between different faculties to make sure that students are familiar and and there's less of a load between those subject areas? So, Bob, is
0: there anything else you wanted to add as we wrap up this conversation?
1: There was one thing that's really incredibly important that um, schools need to be aware of and school leaders need to be aware of. It's our legal requirements around reasonable adjustments. Um, and, and if we don't know, I'm sure most people know this now, but it, it's always important to revisit that as a school and through the P to 12 calf, it is our legal requirement to make reasonable adjustments for all students to make sure that they are, they are accessing all eight learning areas of the Australian curriculum. And that goes back into the also the Human Rights Act and, and the DDA. So we need to make sure that we're following... You know what we're meant to be doing in terms of our legal requirements.
0: Yeah, that's an important message and a great reminder. Thanks, Paul. Well, I know you've listened to the Mm podcast and therefore you know about the fast five that really aren't so fast. So are you ready to launch into those? Yes. Okay, so Bob, when and where was your first teaching appointment?
1: Um, The title of my first teaching appointment, coincidentally, was Early School Support Teacher, which was in the inner west of Sydney. I was between two different schools. And the reason it's a coincidence is because my job then was to support students uh, that had an intellectual. The terminology back then it was they were identified as intellectually mild, which isn't a very flattering term. But that was to support students and teachers to, so they could stay in mainstream classrooms back. And that was back in nineteen ninety five. So that was that was pretty a pretty innovative role back then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great. Right. So Bob, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile?
1: So when I'm in a school and you can see a genuine um, agency or advocacy for the student by the school, by any member of staff that sees them as a person directly from your heart to their heart. And and I saw that at a school where a student um, on an HIC in, in year nine in a mainstream school had such a strong connection with the people that worked around him and an understanding and a trust and, and to me, that always makes me smile. And I, and I see it throughout the region, Trudy. It's quite amazing seeing... Okay, I was thinking about quite a few instances from welcoming um, routines in the morning where kids just can't wait to get into the classroom to students that want to go to be, be at school. So that, to me, is probably the most powerful. It's about that belonging, and that makes me smile to know that we have staff in our region that, is, that have that same passion and, and, and want to treat people as individuals, students as individuals.
0: Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool, isn't it? Okay, what's your best book or film recommendation? That's,
1: I know other people have struggled with this as well, but um, so I broke it down to three different ones for for a good belly laugh, and it's a bit silly, but it's, uh, it, it's Step Brothers, which is it's based on sibling rivalry and uh, and family dynamics, and yeah, I won't tell you too much about it, but it, yeah, the first time I watched it, there was one scene that my eyes were watering, and I just oh. It's one of those things that you walk away thinking, oh, <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. Um, I put a Netflix reference in here because it's another humor one, which was Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's just full of one-liners, that just same sort of thing, good belly laughs. Um, and the last one I've put in here is just Breaking Bad because I, it's such a good story. And so well told. It's one of those play- things where you're actually watching you don't know who you like more. You'll like one character, one episode, the next one you'll switch and not like that character because of one action. But it's so cleverly um, controlled. Yeah, it was really good.
0: Wow. Thanks.
1: Sounds so- like I watch too much TV, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I would have pitched you for a book person,
1: actually. I'm a little bit of both.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, what's your favourite quote?
1: Uh, so I played a bit of basketball growing up and there was a phrase that... Um, I learned from um, a fellow named Michael Jordan, but he wasn't the originator of this quote. Uh, you never make the shots you don't take. So it's about risk taking. And, and even the role that I'm in now, I always thought that i get tapped on the shoulder and someone say, come and do this, come and do that. But you actually need to take a risk and, and be true to what you believe in. So it's about, it's about taking that next step in your journey. And if you never take that step, you'll never know if you would have got there or not. So that's a—it's the same for our students. If we can make students believe that that they can take that shot, even if they miss, it's okay. But yeah. if you don't take it, you'll never know.
0: Yeah, great, mm. great quote. Okay, Bob. As far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret?
1: Well, this is a little bit different to the ones I've heard other people say, but. Um, I live in Yapoon and the Keppel Bay Sailing Club has the softest, most tender salt and pepper calamari you'll ever taste. And so, having a plate of that sitting out looking over the ocean and having a quite cold drink is really quite a nice thing to do, particularly in the middle of summer when it's boiling hot and you need a break from the heat. I recommend doing that.
0: Yeah. Uh- and now you probably have all of CQ joining <laughs> you, so it may not be <laughs> may not be the best kept secret. Can I say Keppel Bay saving club? <laughs> I meant Gladstone Bay saving club. <laughs> That's cold. Oh <laughs> uh, well, Bob, thank you so much for uh, answering the the fast five questions, and thank you for your time and um, talking us through differentiation as we. Um, unpack those three levels of curriculum planning it's such important work like you said a legal requirement but it's also the heart and soul piece isn't it mm. around every one of our students having access and, and reaching their potential
1: and I know I said earlier about it being three different compartmentalizing that's only in the way that I was talking about differentiation uh, because really there is that line of sight there right down into the children's work or or where what they're learning so having that line of sight and being able if you follow those with fidelity and you and you map out your school planning through those models or through those levels you'll have teachers that are capable, know their curriculum and are developing supportive classrooms that are ready for student learning.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Bob. No, thank you. Okay, so if you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversation, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.